0: Hey, beautiful friends, welcome to The Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests, as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. I am Suzanne and I am here with Stacy, and we are so glad to
1: be back again today. Are we glad to be back, Suzanne? Are you actually glad to be here today, Suzanne?
0: <laughs> I'm very glad to be here, Stacy. What are you talking about?
1: I'm just saying, ladies, <laughs> if we're going to be real honest and that's what we do on this podcast, Suzanne, did I get a text message from you yesterday about whether or not you wanted to be here?
0: (laughs) I did. Okay. She's calling me out. I was like, maybe we could just blow off all this ministry stuff and just go um, shop for Christmas decor at Hobby Lobby. Yeah. I am feeling the Christmas. Christmas is my favorite thing. And I'm like, I've never wanted to put up stuff this early, but I'm like, I feel like I got the itch. And is that normal? Like, it's not quite November. (laughs)
1: Well, we're real close to November, so it is for me. I totally got the itch, and I'm gonna, I mean, we're all about being vulnerable and sharing, so it is the end of October when we are recording this, and yesterday, I had about an hour before I had to leave my house again to do carpooling stuff, and so I may have watched a little bit of a Hallmark Christmas movie because they've already started They're already showing, on? Yeah, they've already started showing them, so. Oh, gosh. Stacy's going to be out for the rest <laughs> of the season? I am. I'm going to Sabbath every day now from now <laughs> until Christmas. I can't wait to have some good Sabbaths with some.
0: I know, and a, this is, I'd be interested to hear from people, but this is such a polarizing topic for women, like when to decorate for Christmas, if you're a Christmas decorator. Like, some people are hardcore, like, you are bad if you do it before Thanksgiving and some people are like already have their tree up. So I know. it's interesting.
1: Do you have your tree up before you have Thanksgiving?
0: I will tell you, uh, not usually. I think last year was the first year I had a tree up before Thanksgiving. We always waited. But one reason I like to do it earlier now, like this is new for me, is because taking it down is so terrible. And like when you wait too late, it feels like you're putting it up and taking it down so close yes. it feels like too much work. So I want it like up where I can look at it for a while before I have to think about taking it down.
1: Yes. Now, this is another question. Do you have your house decorated for fall-slash-Thanksgiving-slash-Harvest-slash-Halloween?
0: No, I do not. But I do think that if I didn't have a job and I had like endless amounts of cash, I would totally do that because I do think the women who do it and put it up, it's so cute and stuff like that. I like to think if I had... Um, The time and money I would do it. But I also found out during COVID pandemic that a lot of the things that I said I didn't have time to do, it just is that I want to. So I don't know. It's a good question. What about you?
1: So I do have mine decorated for fall. I love fall decorations with pumpkins and all of the leaves and all the harvest idea. Actually, your son came over the other day and he's walking around my house and he's pointing. And I was like, what are you doing? He said. I am counting all of the ridiculous amounts of pumpkins that you have in your house. I think I have upwards of 45. I
0: thought he said like 50 something. Okay,
1: maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I have to be honest. So my daughter's off at college, you know, and she is incredibly talented when it comes to creativity and art and aesthetics and how things look. And so she used to decorate for me for like fall, And mm-hmm. she loves it. I would just say, hey, go do it. And she did it. And so this year I had to do it without her. And I called her and I was like, Emma, it's terrible. It doesn't look like what you did. And she came home and she said, this is your problem, Mom. You didn't get rid of the blues. You have too much blue in here. Nix the blue at <laughs> harvest time, at Thanksgiving, <laughs> fall. So I do decorate. And I think that I probably will put up the Christmas tree in my bedroom before thanksgiving but i like to have thanksgiving with thanksgiving decorations i get it so i get it
0: and y'all are like hardcore the day after thanksgiving that's like your tradition right
1: to decorate to decorate yes, yes. and, and we your are, tree, your big tree yes yeah. and we are also hardcore december 26th take it down yeah but that's yet yeah. for another day we'll have that conversation so, so.
0: but because i am a good server of yes. the Lord. Okay, that's that yes, didn't sound are. right. Anyway, I showed up here today instead of going to Hobby Lobby, which is probably a really good thing. Yeah. So.
1: But it was very tempting, y'all. It, it we had to we tempting. had to renounce that in the name of Jesus together because I was like, "Oh, I so want to go to Hobby Lobby today, but we love you ladies. So we're showing up today." Yes.
0: And we're showing up with um kind of a a not it doesn't feel like a happy topic, especially coming off of the Christmas banter we just had yes Um, but today we are actually going to be talking a little bit about shame it was a couple months ago I had on my Instagram put out uh, because we had a comment from one of our listeners which by the way we love to hear from you guys so you um, we welcome you to message us whether it be through Instagram or our email is saver at crosstownchurch.com and uh, we'll put that in the show notes but anytime you want us to go deeper on something or have questions or want us to cover a certain topic so we actually had a, a woman reach out and um, request that we do a podcast on shame so I kind of asked on Instagram did a quick poll and a hundred percent it was a hundred percent of people said they either struggle with shame or they know someone who struggles with shame and so kind of just been trying to learn a little bit about that. What exactly is shame? How do we define that? And um, a lot of people know about Brene Brown. She's a pretty um, well-known social worker who's done a lot of work in shame and vulnerability and things like that. Um, I don't think that she claims to be a Christian. She may be a Christian. I don't know. But her work isn't um, like a Christian-based thing. So just know that when you read her things and do her things. Because um, she also says some things that I don't necessarily agree with, just because I have a biblical worldview, and so that's fine. But I think she's very wise um, about her studying of shame and vulnerability. So I really liked her definition for shame. And so I'm going to read you Brene's definition for shame. It is intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging and connection. Um, so I thought that was, mm-hmm. I think that pretty much hits where shame kind of takes us.
1: Yeah, and we are flawed. That's <laughs> right. why it's really good to know that Jesus is there and available for us. Right,
0: for sure. And I think that's, um, That's part of what we can see in scripture is how we can combat this different than maybe somebody who is not a believer or doesn't believe in the word of God. Um, But I, I just, I think that that really hits the nail on the head for us because a lot of us do believe that we're flawed and therefore unworthy of love belonging and connection and it's okay that we opposite right it's okay that we're flawed yes because we are flawed and if we accept that but that does not make us unworthy of love belonging and connection so that's why i really liked that definition um what do you see in scripture stacy just surrounding shame and the word shame and what does that look like um in scripture
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I first and foremost want to say, if you are someone who struggles with shame, you are not alone. Mm. Suzanne and I both have had that as a struggle. I don't know that I've ever interacted with a woman who hasn't on some level at some season at some place in her life felt shame. And so when we say, yes, you know, you shouldn't feel shame because if you're in Christ, it's no longer you— We recognize that, but we also recognize how strong the feeling of shame is. So please know that that is the underlying basis of what we're talking about. And that's the reason we wanted to dig into this topic biblically as well. Because like you said, I do think Brene Brown has some great work out there on it. And I think one thing that it just might be lacking is some of what God's Word tells us, because it's really... Through him and his, in our relationship with his son Jesus Christ, that we can get out from under the paralyzing influence of shame. But some of us, and some of you listening, I think, are paralyzed with shame. And our aim and our desire is to help you see. How God sees you, and He sees you um, differently than you see yourself, or differently than I see myself, because I have been there too and have felt that, and it's a hard place to get out of. Um, so, when we're looking at it in Scripture, the you know there are four different kind of connotations for the word shame that comes out of Scripture, and um, One of the first things that we see, it starts very early in Genesis. We see this idea of shame. But really, when we're thinking about shame, there are, um, like I said, four different ways that it kind of comes out in Scripture. And so there are four different, really, connotations of that idea of shame in Scripture. And uh, one that I thought was really interesting that comes out is the this idea, the word ashamed, actually gets translated as delay sometimes, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really an interesting concept, and one of the most um, apparent times is in Exodus 32, 11, when the people are frustrated with Moses and they say that he delayed coming down from the mountain, we translate it in our English versions as the word delayed, but it actually is the Hebrew word ashamed. Mm. And so the one of the first connotations of this idea of being ashamed is there being a delay, a slowness. And I think that's important because sometimes... Shame paralyzes us and cripples us because we delay in running to God, who is the one who can take that shame off of us. And I think we're going to see that with the first occurrence of the word Shame or being ashamed in scripture in Genesis, but let me keep going through a couple of the other ones. The second connotation is just this idea of confusion or embarrassment or dismay when things don't turn out the way you expected. I think sometimes that's another place where we experience shame. We have an expectation that something's going to happen and it doesn't turn out that way, and so we feel confused. And I think too in that like you can have an expectation of
0: the way you want to behave. This is can be on us too and not necessarily the outcomes of things. Don't you think? Like if I expect myself to behave a certain way and I let myself down in that, then I may experience a lot of shame.
1: Oh absolutely. And I think that's a good point because sometimes we have expectations of ourselves that mm-hmm. we shouldn't have. And then other times we have real honest expectations that we just fall short of meeting. Yeah. So that's that's such a good point. And then one of the third um, usage in Scripture, and one of the most common, is this idea of disgrace that occurs at the hand of our enemies. Mm-hmm. And so in the Old Testament, a lot of times... Um in the Bible and historically during the Old Testament period, nations would rage against each other and they would basically take each other captive. And a lot of times when an army would take another people group captive, one of the things that they would do is parade all of those captives in front of all of the people who captured them, and they would be naked. And it would be this parade of shame. They would do everything they could to tear them down and make Mm -hmm. them feel ashamed. So that's another connotation that we see in Scripture of our enemy putting shame on us. And again, we're going to see that again a little bit in um, Mm -hmm. Genesis as well. And then the last one um, is really an idea of carrying that on further when our enemy triumphs over us. And we, because of that, lose our trust in God. So the fourth way we see it is we have been defeated by something else or someone else or even ourselves. And because of that, we lose our trust in God and our our ability to trust that God is good and He has good in store for us. But I wanted to just read the first instance that we see this idea of shame in Scripture. It comes out of um, Genesis 2, and I'm sure you guys are very well familiar with this story, but uh, it's after in the second chapter of Genesis, God has created everything. And um, Genesis 2, 25 says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so they were living in the garden and they were completely naked and they were fully known and exposed to God. And they had no dread, no fear, no concern that they weren't going to meet an expectation. Um, No one was controlling over them or defeating them. They were walking around freely and then chapter three right after that the very that's the end of chapter two chapter three says and now here comes the serpent more crafty than any other beast of the field that the lord god had made and then the serpent comes to her as we all know and he said did god actually say that and he tempts her to eat of the fruit of the garden and once they eat of it, I, if you skip down um, in Genesis 3, verse 7, it says, And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And I just think that's so interesting that after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they recognized that they were without clothes. They felt very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and they were afraid and they tried to hide from God. And the first way they tried to hide from God was making themselves their own clothes out of fig leaves. So they went and looked at a different tree and they sowed those fig leaves um, and tried to make it. And then when God came and said, Hey, where are you? They were hiding because they heard his voice. And he's like, Hey, did you eat of that? that i told you not to
0: i love that that he asked them like where are you and did you eat like of course he already knew right he did um but that's just i think sometimes that's you know we need people to ask us questions to draw out the things because we're hiding oh yeah right like so they're hiding because they had no shame Right. And now they're completely ashamed.
1: Yeah. And shame will always send you into hiding. Shame will always send you into hiding. Mm -hmm. If you feel yourself withdrawing from other people, if you feel yourself hiding, it is almost always a red flag that you're dealing with shame because some of us are dealing with shame and we don't even know it all the time Mm -hmm. and or don't know the reasoning behind it maybe always. But if you feel yourself hiding or withdrawing, that should be like a check engine light for your soul of maybe I'm dealing with some shame. Yeah.
0: Or like if you feel compelled to t- say, hey, and talk to a friend about maybe something you're struggling with or something from your past or something just in your thought life or whatever, and you feel compelled to do that, but you can't do it. Yeah. Maybe that's an indication. Like you're you're, you're struggling with some shame yeah. surrounding something.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And I love back in the Genesis story, though, after God has this interaction with them, and he does talk to them, and he, you know, gives some consequences for their actions. However, the most beautiful thing he does is he does restore them. There Mm -hmm. is restoration, and we see that. And it comes in Genesis chapter 3, and it says, um, let me find it. Oh, let's see. I just missed it. I'll have to look it up and. see. That's all right. Are but. you talking
0: about where they come and um, he makes new skin? It says new skin yes. for them. Yes, and it he it's the skin of an animal. Because first when it said that it was like new skin, I was like, what do you mean new skin? Like they got their new body? I'm like that doesn't happen yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> but. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, it's in Genesis 3:20 20 and 21 and it says and the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And um I just think, you know, their first reaction was to fix their problem themselves. And Mm. that is a lot of times my first reaction. If I have done something that I'm embarrassed by or I feel shame about, I want to cover it up. I want to hide it. I don't want to expose it. I want to cover it. And the Lord, in such loving kindness, then said, oh, no, you have to be covered. You do but let me give you the clothes. Let me cover you. And he clothed them with skin of an animal. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that a lot of uh, commentators and scholars will say is that that's the first time you see bloodshed in the Bible, is when he killed an animal to clothe them with skin. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a beautiful picture that death had to occur, but there was a covering. And in the same way, for those of us who are in Christ, we have been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all sins. Everything that we have done that is against God, that rebels against Him, that is selfish and self-centered, or um, just dumb. I mean, sometimes I just do some sin that's just dumb, Mm -hmm. you know? I relate to that. (laughs) And I just feel shame about it and embarrassed by it. But I think if The big thing I took away from studying this is the idea of just don't delay, no matter how much you want to delay in running to the Lord, because in His kindness, even if there's a consequence, it is wrapped in love and forgiveness and opportunity for mercy and grace.
0: Yes, for sure. And I think that um, one of the things we've kind of, you know, kept saying so far is You know, if I've done something, if I feel unforgiven. But I think it's important to say, too, that other people can put shame on you. Yes. Um, You know, for whether it's because of something you've done in your past or whatever that is, I think people can speak words of death over you, which then you kind of assign to your identity and therefore you have shame. Um, So it might not be necessarily something you've done. Um, But I think getting to the root of it is really important. I think that's why Christian counseling is so important. Today, I learned that there's actually, I can't even, I guess it's ACA. It's like an American or an Academy of Christian counselors. Counselors. Maybe that's ACC. I don't know. That's a basketball thing. I don't don't (laughs) know. But anyway, just Google it. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. But where you can go and find counselors, because I do think it's important, especially if you're really... Just really struggling um, with that. But one of the comments that um, came in when we talked about maybe doing this shame was one that um, really struck a chord because I think everybody can relate to it. Um, And their comment when they asked for this podcast was that they just struggle, or someone that they know, it didn't just, you know, wasn't saying them specifically, but shame over any kind of failing a constant shame and ridicule that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not godly enough, and that you don't provide enough, maybe for the world. Um, but I think that one thing we can just go ahead and do in this moment is we just take that pressure off yourself. You're not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not enough. Stacy's not enough. None of us are enough. Um, like, if we could just get that, into our understanding, I think that that would help. Then we realize, yeah, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We're going to do dumb things like you just said, but we've been made enough by the cross. I love the adage that people always say, you can't out the cross. Yeah. And you can't, you can't out the cross, right? Unless you just like, unless you reject, reject the cross. Right. Um, so I think that that's, that is, um, so revealing that, you know, most of this, I think, sometimes stems from our feeling of not being enough Mm -hmm. Um, and just knowing that we're not enough, but we've been made enough through Christ, nothing that we've done on our own.
1: Right, right. And I think it's interesting, too, like you were saying, that that is one of the things that causes shame. And I think if we think back when Eve was in the garden, you know, the enemy was coming to tempt her with doubt, like doubt about who God is and what God said. He says, did God actually say that? And I think some of us do not believe that God actually says, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Though your sins are many, Isaiah says, and they are scarlet. They have been made white as snow. And I don't think that's sometimes we can really grasp that because we are so intimately acquainted with our mistakes. Or like you said, someone put shame on us. Maybe you are the victim of something that's happened to you and that has put shame on you and you have carried a spirit of being a victim for so long that you don't see yourself any other way. And if that is you, I want you to know I am so honestly and deeply sorry that you feel that way because that is not the truth of how God sees you no matter how you see yourself and that's the crux of it I think so often with shame it's we get stuck in a perception of ourselves and we only see ourselves from one vantage point when God says oh no I saw what happened to you and I have removed that stain and that blemish. You are a bride who is purified and made clean and holy and righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf, no matter what. And even and I think so often and I, and I'm only speaking from having conversations with women who have experienced that where because of something that's happened to them, there's been shame put mm-hmm. on their lives it then causes them to live up to that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. something, something happened to them and then, well, I guess that's who I am, so I'm just gonna keep doing that because that has defined me. When in reality, we have to let God define us and God say, hey, that's not true about you.
0: Right. I um, heard recently on a podcast that I will highly recommend that you go listen to, or I can even find the link and try to put it in there, but it's um, Lisa to and uh, she's the Proverbs 31 lady. And then she has her own personal um, Christian counselor, Jim Cress, and then Joe Matamale, who is like her resident um, theologian. At Proverbs thirty one, I list. They just recently started a podcast. It's called Therapy and Theology, or Theology and Therapy, something like that. I'll I'll post it. Um, but they, I really highly encourage you to go search through there. They did one on shame, and one of the things that Joel said that I thought was really good was that guilt unattended becomes shame. Oof. Yeah, I thought that was so good. And I think that's a really practical thing because sometimes I don't think we recognize our feelings as shame. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, if you're feeling guilty about something, I don't think guilt's always necessarily a bad thing. I think it can lead us to conviction. Yes. Um, And so if you feel guilty about something, then take that to the cross. Take that to Jesus. Uh, Verbalize it to a friend. Um, Let truth be spoken over that. Pray. There are ways to deal with that um, so that it doesn't become shame. But Stacey, how would you define, like when I say guilt can lead to conviction, what what does that mean to you, like this idea of conviction, and what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I think that's such a good question because I struggled with that for a long time. I would not live in my mind worthy of the calling that God had placed on my life. I did, I wasn't doing the things I was supposed to do. I'm like the apostle Paul and I did the things I didn't want to do. And I would sit in this guilt. Like I know, you know, there were, there was a time in my life where, man, I know that conversation was nothing but gossip. There was nothing Mm. but absolute gossip and negativity and divisiveness that came out of my mouth. And I, I would just sit in that place of guilt and that guilt unattended not only turned into shame, but gave the enemy playground to say, see, that's who you really are. You're Mm -hmm. really a person who tears other women down. You're really a person who speaks negatively. And so I think that there was real guilt there. I did gossip and it was wrong and it was detrimental but what I needed to do was allow the Holy Spirit to give conviction, and when that guilt came, instead of not attending to it, recognizing that there's conviction, and to me, conviction comes as very um, precise. It's very, it's like a sharp needle. It's like a scalpula that is cutting. So like a surgeon will use that. Is that right? You're a,
0: a scalpel. I think a, a scalpel. scapula is like a part of your body. I'm not <laughs> <Okay>. sure, but <laughs> you were close.
1: I mean, I am no doctor, but right. I'm married to one. You're and an my honorary friend, doctor. Sus- my friend Suzanne here is an RN. So, so you know. for all your medical needs, just call us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Call us, please. We will cut you open with the scalpula. <laughs> yes, but a scalpel. <laughs> A scalpel. A scalpel. So a surgeon is going to use a scalpel to cut a very precise line in surgery. It's still cutting. But I would Mm. rather a surgeon do that than have a butcher use his butcher knife to cut me for surgery, right? They're both making cuts. And I think guilt and conviction can be seen like that. It's exposing something. But guilt unattended just becomes this mesh of just yuck that the enemy uses to turn into shame where conviction is very precise. And so for me, I think, um, That was where I could have just run to God and not had that delay. And so the idea of guilt being unattended, turning into shame is because we delay in allowing the conviction to take place. And in Romans, it says it's the kindness of God, the forbearance of God, the the long suffering of God that will lead us to repentance. I think so often we don't like to think about repenting because that seems so, and to all my Catholic friends, I love you. But it does seem well, like... A very... Just
0: all our Christian friends. Like, it's such a thing to say, like, just repent.
1: Yeah. But what does that mean? Right, exactly. And I think that's where the difference is for me in guilt and conviction. Mm-hmm. Conviction leads to a repentance. And a repentance is turning away from what I did now I may have to turn away from it 17 times today like no I'm not going to lose my temper and then I yell at my kid and have to say God please forgive me and then I have to look at my kid too and say hey Joshua I'm so sorry I lost my mind please forgive me and I may have to do it over and over but it's that process of repentance that attends to that guilt that's conviction so I I don't know if that answered the question but yeah
0: I think so I think that um, you know conviction kind of com- compels us to Christ and like shame makes us run and hide like you're like you're saying Adam and Eve did yeah. right so i think that one thing that's important been an important thing for me trying to discern that is how do i talk to myself Versus how does God talk to me? Mm. And I'm really harsh with myself. So if you hear yourself saying, God, you're so stupid. And God, why would you do that? You know better. Or how could you say something like that? You are just the dumbest person. That's not God. That's not God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hear that, ladies.
1: That is not how God would talk to you. Right. Never. And
0: it's like you. It's the kindness of God. So for me, when I have felt convicted, like you said, it's just been very soft and very like, should is that really what you wanted to say? Kind of a thing versus yeah. you're so stupid for saying that. Yeah that to me that was that's a really practical thing to think of um, because it can be kind of hard sometimes. It's hard to get out of that rut of talking to yourself so negatively and I think that continues to push you towards shame, obviously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think being able to recognize that is is so important. And I loved you just talked about a rut, you know, mm-hmm. and how we can fall into ruts. Because ruts don't happen with intentionality, they just happen with overuse. Right. <laughs> you know, you're gonna put a rut in the grass because you just use that same path. Because you keep driving through it. Yeah. Yeah. You use that same path over and over again. There's no real intentionality to it. And I think that's what happens with our our self talk. I think that's so important.
0: And I also think it's practical just to say that shame really grows in silence. Like, it will continue and continue, and I think it will worsen. Um, In fact, some of uh, Brene Brown's work, she says that she calls it a silent epidemic, Mm -hmm. shame, which I think, you know pretty good since we all are very familiar with epidemics and pandemics and all that um but so there's three things that she says are really important about shame is that we all experience it which Mm -hmm. we said in the beginning so you're not alone um it's not easy to talk about and talking about shame brings a sense of control and that control gives us strength to overcome our feelings and move forward so while i think the Holy Spirit also will give us um, Holy Spirit empowerment and healing and things like that when we go to Jesus. I think the takeaway from that is that it requires us to become vulnerable um, with our shame. So I just think um, in that vein, I want to share uh, something that happened to me this weekend. I didn't plan on, on sharing this, but as we've been talking, I have feel very prompted to tell this story, which Partly because I feel very um, shame is also like we said about something that somebody else puts on you and it can feel humili- humiliating. Um, and so if you're like living the state of humiliation, um, that can be a sign of shame, I would think. Oh, yeah. um, you know, but all that's been settled on the cross. And so I, this weekend, there was an there was an issue at a football game that I was at, at a high school football game, and I'm not going to go into all the details, so don't worry, Stacey.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, I wasn't worried at all. Uh,
0: long story short, um, a grown man um, told me out loud in front of everyone that I needed to lose some weight, and that was really... Um, because it speaks to an insecurity that I have, I think it would speak that to all women. Have. Well, I was going to say, I mean, all women may have that insecurity, but not all women are overweight. Um, but and so, you know, it was humiliating. It was embarrassing. I have felt a certain type of way since then. Not, I mean, I'm really trying to overcome that comment. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's an example of somebody putting shame on you.
1: Yes. But
0: I have to agree with it, and I have to accept it, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I can either choose to walk in that, you know, that that's my identity, um, or I need to continue to surrender that to the cross and say, God, I'm, you know. Because for me, I feel shame, too, that my family had to hear that and, like, you know, feel like they had to defend me because – of that, you know yeah. what I mean. So, I just share that in uh, to lead the way in vulnerability. I think you know is that I'm telling all of you listening, which, you know, can pre- it, that I think talking about it is what she's saying. Like talk about it because it gets it out, it gets it open, um, right? Because yeah. you
1: could have chosen not to share that with me. You'd already shared that with me prior to the us recording this, um, and I think. I mean, I don't know, but I think you probably shared it with me to help yourself get it out there. Because you know, when you told me that, I'm like, who is he? I'll, <laughs> I'll hurt him. I will, I will straight up hurt that man. There is anyway, but that's right. But I think you were sharing it with me to help you get it out in the light to recognize that is that that is like you said, it's low hanging fruit to talk about the way someone looks is just absurd right but it still hit an insecurity and I think that if you had not mentioned it or talked about it with someone would just be unattended in your life and cause you to think other thoughts about yourself and and you had used a comment with me about it feeds into your shame script talk Mm. to me a little bit about that you know this idea of that, that term, having a shame script. Because I think each Did of us... Did I say that? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Um, let's see. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but uh, it sounds like something I would say. I think it feeds into my shame script because I think I do have um, insecurities about the way that I look. Like we said, it's a common thing. You yeah. know, I'm not yeah. alone in that. I know I'm not alone in that. no um, It's a cultural thing. Shame script, probably for a lot of women, but I think it just—it's like, okay, I feel bad about myself. I feel. Let's go back to the original definition. Um, I experience believing that uh, because maybe I need. To lose weight or or it could be for you because you feel like you're an idiot or because you have um, drug addiction in your past or because you have sexual addiction in your past because of lots of a myriad of different reasons. If because of those things, I feel unworthy of love or belonging or connection, then that's just continuing to feed that script. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're overweight. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. People are calling me that out in public. That must mean I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be connected in community. I don't deserve, I don't belong here. Right. And so I think it's whatever is causing you to have those reoccurrent thoughts of unworthiness. Um, but again, that man doesn't make me worthy. My family doesn't make me worthy. My body sure as heck does not make <laughs> me worthy. Um, Jesus makes me worthy. And so again, I can either agree with that shame script or I can agree with the cross that caused me the beloved of Christ and that God sent his only son to die for me. So, and I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that since that Friday night, I haven't had to, you know, do this work over and over yeah. again. Um, but it's just reminding yourself like in that rut stick that truth in the rut. So when you get there, you've got it and you can kind of pull yourself out of that.
1: Right, exactly. And talk to someone else about it, whether it's a pastor or a friend or someone that you're connected to in your small group, but be willing to share that because each one of us has a different shame script that runs in our head. And so there are certain triggers for me. So for me, mine may not be so much my weight as it is my intelligence. Mm. So I, my shame script is, I am dumb. That Mm -hmm. is the shame script that goes through my head all the time. And when I misspell a word, when I send an email that has a wrong information in it, uh, when I make an honest mistake, I don't see it as, oh, that was a mistake. I immediately, my shame script is, see, you knew you were dumb. You are so dumb. You're the dumbest person in the world. And that's where my default is. I know that about me. And so I, I think if you're listening to this, Only you probably know what your shame script is. But if you think about what is that common lie that you're believing, uh, that usually is attached to your shame script. And it may just help you recognize places where you can say, okay, I'm not going to sit in that shame. I do want to come out of that Um, and want to accept God's truth, like you said, instead of falling into that rut that is just there because over time it's happened over and over again, um, dig those trenches of truth with trusted friends who are going to be like, I will go beat that man up for you. I will go beat that (laughs) man up. But because I'm your friend,
0: I won't let you do that.
1: I know. I know that's not the right thing. So you know what we did? We forgave him, and we're going to pray for him.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I think, again, disclaimer, you know, we're not therapists, but, you know, there is work to be done if you you really struggle with shame. You know, I don't know. Maybe shame, this whole idea of shame and being unworthy and not feeling like you belong— is really a huge contributing factor to our suicide rate in America. I mean, mm. and people don't want to talk about it. And so, if you, if maybe you're not dealing with this, but you know someone who is, can we invite you to um, try to talk with them and talk with them with full of empathy and compassion and not judgmental. Um, I think that's a great way to to approach someone who is struggling with shame. Because remember, they have a shame script constantly running. So they probably just really need someone to be empathetic um, to their struggle.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and and I just want to share a couple of verses um, that out of Psalm. Really, if you if you struggle with shame and you're looking for some verses to counteract and trust, mm-hmm. know that you can really trust God. Because remember, one of the fourth kind of connotations of shame in Scripture is that because these things have happened to me, I can't trust God anymore. And I just want to. Um, help you understand and see what the Lord is saying. There's several, uh, verses, but Psalm 25, 20 says, Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. Um, and then I love also, he says, um, when it's in Psalm 22, five, he says to you, they cried out and they were rescued In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. I mean, over and over again when we put our trust in God, He is not going to let us sit in shame. He is there just like He did for Adam and Eve to take that fig leaf off of them. You cannot fix this yourself. You And, and God's mm-hmm. not asking you to do that. He wants to free you from your shame script and He wants to deliver you and He wants to clothe you in His righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ. And that means we can't believe the script that goes on in our head about ourselves. In Romans, again, it says, let every man be a liar and God be true. Mm -hmm. God's truth about me is truer than my feelings about myself. So I just hope that those verses bring you some encouragement because there's so many. I could go on and on and on about um, all of these verses and how God has set us free from shame and how when we take refuge in Him, we don't get to wear shame we wear the armor of god the protection of god amen to that so i think for um,
0: our Savor moment we just kind of want you to sit for a minute with god and think about those areas in your life that make you feel flawed and unworthy of love and belonging and unworthy of connection um, and think about where those shame scripts might be coming up in your life and pray about it. Sit with God alone about it and then
1: ask God to give you the truth and maybe share that with a friend. Yeah, I definitely think so. And and I want to add just a little practical mm-hmm. tip on that, too. If, if you recognize that your shame script says um, you are never going to be enough, then I encourage you type that in and then type in a Google search, verses that counteract that lie. Mm. And then you can probably get a list of verses because sometimes you don't even know where to go in the Bible to look up a verse to counteract, like recognizing the lie or the shame script is hard enough and then trying to figure out how to counteract that with truth. Google is your friend, y'all. Yeah. Google is your friend. Google and I it. Google
0: verses all the time. I do too. But you know, if you want to reach out to us, we'll be glad to help you find some verses too, whatever, whatever you're most comfortable with. But yeah, Google is a great resource.
1: Absolutely. But our hope and desire through this is that you don't sit under shame mm. because it can cripple and paralyze you from doing the things that God's called you to do. And we want to remind you, you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work that he's laid out beforehand i'm just telling you what it says in ephesians that's what ephesians 2 10 says that is the truth about you no matter what you think about yourself or what some i am gonna not say what i want to say about the man at the football game but whatever like he we've is,
0: all experienced men and women and other people like that because we are all broken people who hurt people and that's why we all struggle to feel worthy that's right. um but luckily We've been made worthy, so we don't have to worry about that. That's right. We just got
1: to keep combating these lies. Yeah. That's right. We will. And it always helps to combat these lies with a good friend over good food. And so, because we are Savor saver podcast, uh, we will attach a new recipe. So, I heard so many people that did the turkey burger recipe. Oh, yeah. Except I did have to fix it in the show notes because, y'all, I still can't figure out how the show notes work. But we'll get it We're in there. We're getting there, y'all. We're yeah, getting there. We'll get it there. I just, um, my daughter, who is a sophomore at college, called last night called my husband and I my husband uh, loves to cook and so he has instilled in her this idea of cooking and eating good food I think she misses his food more than she misses me. yeah she's
0: not down with the box mac and cheese from college and ramen noodles that you eat
1: no she's (laughs) like I'm not doing that and so of course she found this great recipe on tiktok and um she texted us last night and called us about it last night but we'll include it in the show notes for you guys but it's a pasta dish that is uh you uses peaches and tomatoes and you saute them and puree them and reduce them to this really gooey thick almost like tomato soup and pour it over penne pasta with fresh basil and she said it sounds weird
0: i'm not gonna lie but i'm intrigued so i'm totally gonna make it so if you make it post a picture and tag us because i'm gonna try it even though it sounds gross
1: I know. it's. I trust you,
0: Emma. I trust you. Like she's listening. (laughs) I know.
1: I know. You know she's not. But if I tell her we talked about it, I doubt it. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so we will post that recipe as well. And we just encourage you, get with a friend, get alone with Jesus, ask Him to reveal the truth about you, because our desire is for all of us to be walking in total freedom. So we hope that that is uh, helpful to you guys. Yes. And we love you. Go taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you
0: for being with us today here at Saver. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR, Women's Ministry, or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.